0: From Blue Wire Studios today, so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford stepping up, going left side, watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. The intercepted. Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Lions. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode is brought to you by Regents Field. Now back open in downtown Ann Arbor. DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. You can check them all out in ads throughout this episode. Few things I want to hit at the top of this podcast before we get into the point of today's podcast, which is the fifty-three man roster projection that uh, I am looking at for when the Lions have to make cuts this weekend, and it is this. First is I hope you enjoyed. Listening to the podcast episode yesterday with Armanti Bryant, as I said at the end of the podcast, that story is one that uh, is very close to me and is probably the most impactful one, at least on me, in my career. And just the amount of people that reached out and people that wanted to help after was just super impressive and something I'm never going to ever, ever, ever forget. Uh, And it's great that Armanti got a kidney and is able to kind of Get his life back a little bit after being on dialysis and it's just no fun and i've talked to had a couple people reach out who were transplant surgeons today telling me how how accurate the story was so check that out on espn.com and you can hear that conversation on the podcast that was uploaded yesterday but the big news for the lions on tuesday was that taylor decker signed a six-year contract extension that Ties him up to the Lions longer than any other player that they have. Although one would expect Kenny Galladay may join him at some point soon, but it shows at eighty-five million dollars over that contract. Now, not all of that is guaranteed. Obviously, uh, thirty-seven point five million of it is guaranteed, according to his agents. It shows a hefty commitment to their left tackle. I think it shows that they're very, very dedicated to having him as their left tackle for the rest of the prime of his career. And it makes sense. Taylor Decker has been really good against the pass. He's protected Matthew Stafford consistently. He is Bob Quinn's first first first-round draft pick, and he's somebody who has been very, very good throughout his career. He hasn't always been great, but he's been very, very good. I thought last year he had a really good year. And if you figure that they're going to eventually sign Frank Ragnow to a massive extension as well, which should happen at some point, then they've really shored up two of their main spots on the offensive line, two of the most important spots in many ways on the offensive line with left tackle and with center. And they signed Hal Vitae in free agency to a decently large deal at right tackle. So you can kind of tell where their value is. And that's something that we hinted about back when they didn't re-sign Graham Glasgow is that you know, can only play so many people so much money. And you have to make decisions where you want to put money in certain position groups. And it's clear that they wanted to put money at tackle for the Lions. And Taylor Decker is that guy. And you can argue whether or not he's worth that type of money. But I think he's getting better year over year. He's entering his prime at age 27. He just turned 27 last month. So it makes a ton of sense to me why they would get the deal done. It's something that was clear both sides wanted to do. Decker basically said that earlier in training camp, when he talked with the media, he said that they had initial conversations and then, you know, he just didn't know where they were going to go because of COVID and what that could mean. And it wasn't a typical negotiation year, but they got it done. You figured they likely would get it done. And now all attention goes to the other big name that is in a contract here, Kenny Galladay, and what they might do with him, and that could be a monster deal as well. The Lions have the cap space to do this, and really, if you re-sign Galladay, you just re-signed Decker, you have Stafford under contract, your running backs are still on rookie deals, uh, and for at Ragnow, for now, is still on a rookie deal. You have the base of your offense, along with TJ Hawkinson, really set in stone for the next probably three seasons. And that's not a bad thing if you're the Lions. You might have to figure out what you're going to do at receiver other than Galladay because Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola are in contract years. And you'll have to maybe figure out what you're going to do at some spots on the offensive line. And then there's running back. But so many of your offensive pieces are locked in now for the long term and really for what could be the rest of Matthew Stafford's window as a productive starter in the NFL by signing Decker to this long-term deal. So in so many ways, this makes sense for the Lions. It's good for the Lions and we'll kind of see what they do next. So let's jump right into now the other part of today's podcast, which is the 53-man roster projection. And before we start, it's going to be a 54-man roster projection because J. Ron Curse, who I expect to be on the team, won't be with the team the first three weeks. He's going to be suspended, and they can put him on a suspension list so they don't necessarily have to keep him so, right away. So that this projection will be 54 players, not 53 players because of that. So if you're counting at home and you're like, wait, you're one off, that's the reason why. Let's start at quarterback where two spots make total sense. They're locks, Matthew Stafford and Chase Daniel. I have them keeping three quarterbacks, so I have them keeping David Blau, and I have them keeping David Blau for a couple of reasons. First is, frankly, he's had a good camp. In some ways, I think he's had a better camp than Chase Daniel. He's shown good accuracy on his deep passes. He's shown he can command the huddle. He's moved around pretty well. I think he's made largely good decisions and he's showing he has a future in the league, something that I think the Lions saw when they traded for him a year ago at this time at the at the cut-down deadline. The other reason to keep him is, frankly, COVID. We don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know how this is all going to go. So having your third quarterback on your roster makes a lot of sense. It gives you some flexibility. I doubt David Blau will be active most weeks, but... This gives you that level of comfort in case Chase Daniel or Matthew Stafford ends up contracting COVID and needs to sit out for a game or two. This gives you a guy that you can feel comfortable about And it's not clear whether you would get through waivers because there is six games of tape out there on him. He does have some experience. And quarterbacks that have experience, young quarterbacks that have experience, can sometimes teams can take flyers on them. Even a team like, say, the Bears could take a flyer on them. you learn a lot about the Lions from bringing him in. And then you hold on to him for a few weeks. And if you don't like what you see, maybe you get rid of him. And the Packers and the Cardinals, they can all do similar things. So I think keeping David Blau makes a lot of sense at least at the start of the season, and you kind of go from there. But I think he's played well enough to earn this roster spot. At running back, I've got five. I have on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Bo Scarborough, Ty Johnson, and Jason Huntley. Now, this is a spot where I might get in trouble as far as my prediction goes, because it looks like Scarborough, at the very least, is on his way back, and it looks like Swift could potentially be coming back, but I think to what... Daryl Bevel said on Sunday about DeAndre Swift that they're going to bring him along slowly, that every day of practice he misses is something he needs to relearn. And that's, frankly, something that really stood out to me. So I think that they go heavy at running back early on because maybe Swift or Scarborough isn't ready yet in week one or week two to go. Jonathan Williams would have been intriguing here, but I, I haven't been totally blown away by his performance during training camp, at least the second week of it. So I went with Scarborough over Jonathan Williams and I went with Ty Johnson over Jonathan Williams for those spots. I think Ty Johnson played fairly well throughout camp. And Huntley is a guy that maybe does get cut because maybe you can sneak him through on the practice squad. But there were teams that were interested in him in the draft. Obviously, he was a fifth-round pick, so there could be teams that are willing to take a chance on a guy who has good return skills, at least he did in college, has great speed and can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's shown really good flashes of that pass-catching ability during camp. So I think the Lions, in kind of a stash situation, maybe even like a Brandon Powell stash situation from a few years ago or a Teon Green where you just kind of – you have him on your roster, you're ne- he's never active, or he's very rarely active except for injuries, and you don't really play him until the end of the year, but you know you still have him. Because Jason Huntley very well could be one of the future players at this position, but he might not be there just yet, especially because, and this is going to be, you know, I guess a spoiler, but like Jamal Agnew is going to make this team, that, or should make this team, that he's not going to be the returner, which was where I pegged him to be, Initially, I did keep a fullback, and that is Jason Kabinda. Nick Bodden, obviously now on injured reserve, so he can't make the team. And Kabinda, I thought, has played well. There is a chance that they'd go without a fullback, but Kabinda's gotten a lot of reps at fullback. The Lions like to use a fullback at times. And they don't really have another one on the roster. They could theoretically use Isaac Nada, but he hasn't really taken any reps there, at least that we've seen. Plus, Kabinda offers positional flexibility both at linebacker in a pinch, and he's one of their core special teams players. So for those reasons, along with him being a fullback, I think Jason Cabinda is safely on the roster a year after he was a cut following being a hard knocks star. And we'll look at wide receiver and then go into the break. But wide receiver, at first it looked like this was going to be a really, really messy position to kind of figure out. But throughout camp, it's really kind of shaped itself to be a pretty easy position to figure out. I have him keeping six receivers. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, Marvin Hall, Quintez Cephas, and Jamal Agnew. None of these should be a surprise at this point. Marvin Hall and Jamal Agnew have had very good camps and earned their spots. Cephas has played well throughout camp. He's going to be on this roster. Galladay, Jones, Amendola obviously going to be on the team as the three starters and the three top receivers they have. This is a pretty straightforward situation. I think Tom Kennedy ends up on the practice squad again. He's looked really good during camp. To me, he's a guy that maybe you develop and maybe next year he ends up really competing for a roster spot. I think he's shown some real flashes there. And that's kind of where I see receiver going. There's just not a lot of analysis to be done because it seems everything is pretty Pretty well locked in. The one wild card could be Victor Bolden. He was mentioned by coordinators kind of unprompted on Sunday, which usually raises my eyebrows. But again, maybe they tag Victor Bolden for the practice squad as well as a potential speed slot option because I don't think he's beating out any of the six guys that really I think are ahead of him on the roster. And we'll be back right after this break with the rest of the breakdown of the Lions' potential 53 Ram roster projection for this year. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app select your favorite local spot and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off on your zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 on your first order with DoorDash. And Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And lastly, while you're watching NFL Sunday Ticket, consider going down to Regents Field Bar and Grill. They are on Main Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan, if you are in the Michigan area. They're going to be showing all the games. They have outside seating, indoor seating. They have TVs with sound outside. They're open from Tuesday to Sunday, so it'll be open for NFL games. And not only that, but they still have free ski ball free darts and free video games, including an NBA jam console. That was my favorite game as a kid. So check them out. Regents field on South main street in Ann Arbor. Now back to our show. So we left off with wide receiver and now we're at tight end. And this might be one of the spots where there's a lot of contention. I kept three tight ends. Two of them are obvious and TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James, TJ Hawkinson, obvious reasons. No brainer. Makes sense. Jesse James his contract situation with $2.55 million a guaranteed salary for 2020, that means he's going to be on the roster. Plus, he's the number two tight end as far as pass catching. He's shown a little bit here and there during camp. They're going to keep him. The third tight end spot is where it gets interesting. I had initially pegged Hunter Bryant to be there. He's shown really good pass-catching ability, but he's been hurt for most of camp. I don't think you can rely on him to be your third tight end right now. If anything, maybe he gets stashed on IR at some point, or maybe I don't know what the Lions are going to do with him and how they're going to handle that because if you keep him IR to come back, he has to be on the roster first. So. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be interesting to see. So it becomes a question of Isaac Nada or Matt Sokol. Isaac Nada has got more reps with the number one unit, but I think Matt Sokol's outplayed them. I think they play similar positions, Nada's a little bit bigger and a little bit more of like a fullback-y blocking type of role, but I think Sokol's been better in the red zone, which is when you probably use a third tight end anyway. And I think he's shown maybe a little bit better pass catching capabilities. So I actually went with Matt Sokol over Isaac Nata. To me, this is a coin flip. I can see it going either way. But I wouldn't be shocked if Matt Sokol ends up being the surprise guy that they keep on the roster this year and they try to get Isaac Nata back on the practice squad again for the second straight year. But he could be an early call up if there are injury issues or if Sokol doesn't play well. Moving on to the offensive line, I have them keeping eight offensive linemen. Taylor Decker, Joe Dahl, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, Hal Vitae, Tyrell Crosby, Logan Stenberg, and Kenny Wiggins. The one guy missing there is Odey Abouche. I could see them keeping Odey as well and keeping nine. I don't think they would keep him over any of those eight. Because each of them have a role, the five starters being who they are, Crosby being the swing tackle who can play both spots. Wiggins can play guard or tackle or even center. And Stenberg is their fourth-round pick who has been working a little bit of backup center but also as backup guard. It would not shock me if they kept Obuchet if they want to go heavy on the offensive line to start. He's a veteran. You know what you're getting out of him. But... I think they maybe need those spots elsewhere potentially because of injury. And also, I think that they can try to get Bo Benchwal, who's another interior lineman who's also been working as a backup center on the practice squad. And then you have him. There was a thought initially back last year that he would be the guy that would end up being on this team this year as a backup lineman instead of maybe, well, before we knew they would draft Stenberg and Jackson or Wiggins bringing him back in free agency. Ben seemed like he could be a guy, so it would not shock me if he ends up being on the practice squad this year. And also Matt Nelson could end up being on the practice squad as well, but I don't see either one of those guys making the final roster. Wiggins has too much positional flexibility to get rid of him, in my opinion. Moving over to the defense now, I have them keeping seven defensive linemen. For right now, it's Trey Flowers, Romeo Okwara, Nick Williams, Danny Shelton. I have Julian Okwara as a defensive end, but he can play defensive end or linebacker. Deshaun Hand and John Penasini. So what does all this mean? To me, this is kind of, again, fairly straightforward. The one question I would say of these guys is probably Pennicini. Maybe you can get him through on the practice squad, but... I feel like as a sixth-round pick, you're probably going to keep him. Frank Heron would be the guy that I would look at that maybe they would keep if they decided to get rid of Penacini and try to get him back on the practice squad. But I think Penasini probably adds more to what they want to do. Plus, he's more of a run-stopper than he is a pass rusher, and he could be the backup to Danny Shelton, where you have guys like Deshaun Hand and even Romeo Okwara that could spell Nick Williams on the inside if you needed to. The wild card in all of this will be who the Lions claimed on waivers on Tuesday because that's the question there. When they claim someone that late, do they have a plan for him? It's unknown at this point whether they really do, but they did claim Albert Huggins on waivers. And one would think that they at least want to get a look at him. And if they like what they see, they might choose to keep him. And then if they do that, that could come at the cost of Panasini or maybe they end up keeping eight defensive linemen because that's a position they could theoretically be heavy at. But I don't know much about Huggins, to be honest. Obviously, he's a guy that he just signed, but it could be worth keeping your eye on over the next couple of days because they've been known, like they did with David Blau in a trade, to keep guy, to trade for guys or to pick guys up late And then potentially keep them on the roster. Moving to linebacker now. I have them keeping six linebackers. And really if you think about it. When it comes to to Julian Okwara. It ends up being kind of six and a half. Um, and we'll get to it more with safety, but Miles Killebrew can also play linebacker. So it's really kind of like seven if you include those two guys, depending on their positions. But the six guys I have, Jamie Collins, Jared Davis, Jelani Tavai, Christian Jones, Reg, Reggie Ragland, and Jalen reeves maybin Again, this seems fairly locked in as a group. Jalen Reeves maybe is one of their core special teams players. I think he's had a really strong camp. Reggie Ragland has made multiple plays and he can be a run stopper. Again, he can be a special teams player as well the other four are pretty locked in kind of as starters or semi-starters with collins davis tavai and christian jones they all have their roles and they're going to be a big part of the lions defense this year in one way or the other the question is really how they're going to still use jared davis i think that that's still a little bit up in the air a week and a half before the season starts and it's going to be something i think that evolves kind of as the season goes on and as we see different things happen of the guys here that didn't make the team, Elijah Lee would be maybe a guy that could end up sneaking on this roster if they wanted to go heavy at linebacker or maybe he even replaces Reggie Ragland. That would be largely a special teams call. He's been a core special teamer. He worked on some first teams, special teams units. While we were able to watch practices, he has some experience. Obviously, he played in San Francisco on a team that made the Super Bowl last year. So there is the possibility that Elijah Lee maybe surprises and sticks on this roster either as another linebacker or in place of, in my opinion, Ragland or Reeves-Maben. But I feel like Ragland and Reeves-Maben maybe made a few more standout plays, at least defensively. And the question then becomes whether it ends up being more of a special team situation. But even there, Reeves-Maben probably has the edge over Lee. Moving over to cornerback, again, this is an area where it's going to kind of get dicey Desmond Trufant, Jeff Okuda, Amani Awarie, Justin Coleman, those four are locked in. Don't really need to talk about them. The question with them is whether or not Awarie or Okuda, I think, is going to start. Uh, We've talked about it on the podcast multiple times. I can easily see a situation where Awarie ends up being the starter in week one. I wouldn't read anything into Jeff Okuda at that point because, remember, and we've talked about it, that he's coming from a position where He's got to learn so much. He doesn't have the spring. He doesn't have preseason games. Corner is such a hard position to learn. And those first four weeks, some of the receivers that they're facing, we've gone through it with Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and and two of potentially, well, three if you really want to include the Packers, three of the most explosive offenses they're going to face back-to-back-to-back in Green Bay, Arizona, Arizona and New Orleans, maybe you want a guy with at least a little bit more playing experience and you work Okuda and kind of let him in gently because if you put him in and as confident as Okuda is, he goes four weeks and just really struggles, then maybe you have to bench him kind of like the Lions had to do to Darius Slay back in 13 and then you're, you're maybe setting him back a little bit more versus trying to work him in slowly. That's kind of the vibe that I've gotten from the Lions with how I think they may really try. To handle that, the question is the two guys behind them. I have it as Daryl Roberts and Tony McRae, but both guys have been dealing with injuries as of late, and that could end up making a difference. Mike Ford would be the guy that could theoretically, I think, sneak in here at. Maybe the expense of Roberts, but the Lions gave about a million dollars in guarantees to Daryl Roberts, so you'd have to walk away from that, but they might be willing to do that because they know what Ford can give them a little bit more. They've seen it in the defense, but I just feel like Roberts right now might have the edge over Ford, but it would not shock me in any way if Ford ends up on this team over Roberts or over McRae. I think McRae may have locked himself in between special teams and being a backup slot, D-Virgin would maybe be another guy there, but I don't think he's had the best camp. That would be more of a complete special teams play. D-Virgin's a very good special teams player, but I feel like they have a bunch of guys that can handle those types of roles. Frankly, including Jeff Okuda, if Okuda ends up being the number three corner, he could also end up being a gunner. And you have Jamal Agnew who can be a gunner, and you have Amani Owaria even who can be a gunner. There are plenty of options, and we'll get to it at safety but other guys as well like CJ Moore can theoretically play gunner as well that you have some flexibility there with different players that to me maybe and I McCray can do that job too where McCray might make more sense from a defensive perspective than um than D Virgin but we'll see about that i mean D Virgin played his way onto the team last year and we we'll, we shall see but i feel like from what i saw McCray had a better camp Moving on to safety. This is, again, where it gets a little bit interesting. I have them with six safeties. That's with an asterisk because of J. Ron Curse. So really, it's five safeties. Duran Duran Harmon, Tracy Walker, Will Harris, the obvious one. C.J. Moore was on this team for me for a while. Then when I heard Braden Coombs rave about him unprompted on Sunday, that locked it in for me for two reasons. One... If you wanted to kind of sneak him through to the practice squad, you're not going to rave about him unprompted where a team's going to maybe take a longer look at him. Plus, there's a year's year's worth of special teams tape on him that you can see and some safety tape from last year. So I can't see them going on about cj moore if you're trying to stash him to get him through the practice squad and also with curse being out you need another safety he's your fourth safety and he gives you a bunch of flexibility there both with special teams and with defense plus he's played well there was a i believe it was either friday's camp or saturday's camp where he seemed to be breaking up passes he seemed to be everywhere they even had him a little bit out on wide receivers which is odd for a safety so maybe he even has some corner safety flexibility that they're trying to figure out and that can only make him more valuable. So I think CJ Moore ends up on this team. And then there's Miles Killebrew, who we talked about a little bit before. He can play linebacker, he can play safety. He's the Lions NFLPA player rep, which doesn't matter whether or not you keep him or not, but he's a locker room leader. And he's pretty much everything they want in a guy. Plus, he's one of their better special teams players, if not their best special teams player. So to me, Miles Killebrew ends up on this team. And then they can kind of figure out what they need to do when basically J. Ron Curse ends up being able to come back after week three. By then, you might have some injuries. Some guys may have played their way into into or out of positions. And you kind of make a decision there when it comes to Curse and how you want to maneuver your roster at that point. Finally, ending on the specialists, and this is worth a conversation. Matt Prater, done. Locked. The other two spots, punter and long snapper, I think still remain to be seen. I have Aaron Sipos on the team ahead of Jack Fox. That's probably an unpopular opinion when you look at 53-man roster projections that will be made by my colleagues at other places. It's just a gut feeling. I think it's a pretty even battle. Fox has taken a lot more reps first, which is usually an indication of someone's ahead. But I think Sipos has looked better. I think he offers them a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more versatility, although Fox has more experience with kickoffs. So it would not shock me if they keep either guy. And here's the other thing that would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if the loser of this battle ends up on the practice squad because you don't want Matt Prater punting. We've seen what happens with that before when the Lions had a punting injury way back in Week one of I believe it was 2017 or 2018 when Sam Martin was hurt and they had Casey Redfern and then Casey Redfern ended up having his leg blown out and Prater had to punt the rest of the day. The Lions don't want to get into that situation now obviously as a practice squad you wouldn't have that but if there's a COVID situation late in a week you don't want to have to bring in a punter late. So I think they maybe keep two punters. You have four extra spots on the practice squad. Maybe you do that. And maybe they do the same thing at long snapper where Dom Muehlbach is in a battle with Steven Wordle. I think Steven Wordle's had the better camp. I can't really judge anything when it comes to long snapping. It's just not my forte. But Wordle's just looked a little bit more on point. Less low snaps. Less issues there than Dom Muehlbach, the veteran. But I think without the advantage of seeing Wordle in games, in Ford field, in preseason pressure. I think maybe they go with Dom Muehlbach because of the experience, and that's where that matters. But you keep Steven Wordle around, both on the practice squad as insurance in case Muehlbach isn't getting it together, or even if he lasts the whole year on the practice squad, then you kind of have maybe your guy for the future already set up for 2021 to replace Don Muehlbach eventually because Don Muehlbach will be 40 next year. And I just don't know if he's going to want to continue to play or, like I said, from watching him in this camp, whether he still has it as much as a guy like Wordle, who's 17 or 18 years younger than him. But for now, I've got it Prater, Sippos, and Muehlbach, but two of those positions Punter and long snapper it would not surprise me if they went the other way. So that is my 53 54 man roster projection. We'll see how much of it is right. You can read more about it with some more analysis on ESPN.com. I want to thank, as always, my sponsors Regents Field, DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, Bet Online, and Blue Wire, obviously, for hosting this podcast. I want to thank, as always, my producer, David Woodley. Feel free to leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind on iTunes or check us out on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. And we will be back with you tomorrow. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win, Major League Baseball season's pushing in a fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino, it never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code BlueWire to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BlueWire, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert.